0: This podcast is from HeptagonClub.co.uk and PaulCarenza.com. The Heptagon Club.
1: Heptagon Club.
0: Heptagon Club with Paul Carenza. Seven guests, seven corners
2: on this week's show. The only phrase you need to know, I'm wearing my underpants inside
1: out. My
0: next door neighbour was
1: doing late night news and porn. Being the only person to have killed a
3: German officer using a bow and arrow <laughs> during the war.
0: I decided I was going to repopularise ABBA and Christ. <laughs> and your host, Mr. Paul Carenza. Bonjour,
4: bonsoir, bon jovi, bonjella. My name is Paul Carenza. This is the Heptagon Club, episode two. Thank you for making your way through episode one, uh, if indeed you have. We are back with seven more guests uh, here in our seven-sided Heptagon Club, including a communard, a Teletubby, A QI Elf and a good two or three comedians. We have uh, Sally Phillips, Milton Jones, Reverend Richard Coles. We're particularly looking this week at some television programmes that have either been on or are coming up here in the good old U of K. QI, which begins its uh, second half of the alphabet quite soon under the new leadership of Sandy Togsvig, taken over from Stephen Fry. We'll hear from a QI Elf. Also a story from World War II from someone who was at the very final performance of Glenn Miller before he disappeared. So we've got Milton Jones here, more from him later on. But our first guest this week is Sally Phillips. You'll know Sally Phillips from Miranda, from Bridget Jones's Diary, from Smack the Pony, I'm Alan Partridge. Most comedies, really, from the last 20 years or so. And she's had a recent documentary on TV, A World Without Down Syndrome. Very personal story to her, because her son has Down Syndrome. But before we get into that documentary and religion and life, the world and everything, I'm curious to know, what makes Sally Phillips laugh?
0: I mean, I, found, I find dirty jokes really funny. I just find them really funny. It makes me laugh. It's always the first place my mind goes. I'm really sorry. Am I sorry? I don't know that I am sorry. You know, I think God made bodies. I think it's funny. I think, yeah. you know, the, what our sh- shame around our bodies is funny. I think what the decrepitude of our bodies is funny. I, th- I sort of think it's funny, but I know you're not allowed to make those jokes or use those words or any of that yeah because i was a christian when i was doing smack the pony and the other two weren't christians and i was coming up with all the filthy material <laughs> and then my yeah. vicar would be going i do feel sorry for you some of the things you have to do not knowing that mm. i had written it right, yeah, right i was responsible for it yes. but i didn't feel bad about it because it felt true mm. and mm. so if it's true yeah whatsoever things are true i don't know mm. if it was true then was it bad i don't know You know, we didn't go to church growing up and it wasn't mentioned. There was much more reverence around uh, David Attenborough's Life on Earth (laughs) documentaries than it was about uh, anything else. I decided I was going to repopularise ABBA and Christianity. (laughs) In that that? (laughs) order? Yeah, like grandiose ambitions, Mm. age 14. And I used to uh, kind of fortune tell with my copy of the Bible. I used to ask people to give me a page number and a verse number. And then I would go... And you will be four cubits by four cubits. <laughs> that means you need to go on a diet or whatever it is. You know. um, uh, and uh, and I, so I joined the Christian Union at school, and there were five of us, and there was a maths teacher called Miss Fowler who had a guitar and uh, five socially awkward teenage girls and a single woman with a guitar sitting in a damp basement. <laughs> So <laughs> yeah, and we used yeah. to get speakers in from. She used to get speakers in from various different. I mean, she she really tried hard, you know. Just I can really identify with it now uh, to inspire us. Um, but it had the opposite effect on me. Basically, I remember someone coming in and saying, "Oh, my husband's disabled, and we needed a new car, and we were praying for a Volvo because we like." to be safe and for it to be green and guess what readers parked on our street was a car with the exact amount of money we had in our bank account and i just thought this is so unbelievably trivial so then i went to university and i mean god was on my case the christian union kept turning they just focused on me in a way that they didn't appear to focus on (laughs) other (laughs) people they were constantly turning Um. up at my door with bibles knocking inviting Uh. me places so naturally, by the end of my time at university, I was incredibly anti. <laughs> and um, the group of people I was hanging out with, people like Stuart Lee and Richard Herring, and they were very anti. Uh, Stuart Lee went on to write the Jerry Springer opera, which mm. Christians far and wide have condemned as yes. being <laughs> from <laughs> Satan. I ended up on a job with Milton and another actor called Patrice Nye who's a Sierra Leonean actor. And I quite quickly established you were both christians because i remember my first um re- i was with either milton or patrice in every single show so we were doing nine mm. sitcoms i was in six and i was with patrice mm. or milton in each of the mm. ones i was in mm. and um my first rehearsal with you you were 27
5: Was
0: i, I think so and you had three kids and i went well why have you got three <laughs> still <laughs> fast work yeah. i yeah. said what you're a christian or something Right, that's that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the logical yeah. conclusion, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I think but yeah, yeah. Would have had kids that young yeah, or a very yeah. very naughty boy, right. but then not three, so he was instantly suspicious. Yeah. And the thing I always tell people about you, Milt, is that. I said, OK, arrogantly, went up to him after rehearsals one day, went, OK, tell me about Jesus then. And Milton said, I'm not going to talk to you about Jesus. You're only interested in Jesus because you haven't got a boyfriend. <laughs>
4: <Is that> <laughs> <zing>. <laughs> <laughs> More from Sally Phillips and from Milton Jones very shortly. And an extended version of the conversation between myself, Sally and Milton can be found on the Premier Christianity magazine podcast as well. This is kind of a podcast link-up going on. Uh, that will be in the, I believe, January edition we just lightly touch on all areas here, from religion to politics to uh, one of the busiest men on the stand-up comedy circuit. This is a good friend of mine, Mr. Dave Thompson. So, hey, Dave Thompson, thank you for being part of the My podcast. Pleasure. You're very, My very, very exciting to have you here. Um, so, we ha- we have um, several corners of this. Podcast, including the travel hovel. I was thinking of you, particularly for travel, because I know you've done a lot—probably more than a lot of gig comedians. You've done gigs overseas. Is yeah, that fair well, to say.
2: I've done stand-up in I think it's 33 or 34 countries outside the UK. Wow. Not including three cruise
4: ships. Okay. Yeah. That's more than I even thought you would have done. That's, yeah. That's good. Wow. And I've even done a performance mm. um, towards the end of last year
2: in a Hungarian comedy club frequented only by Hungarians. In Hungarian. You did it in Hungarian. Yes. It's a super question. Do you speak Hungarian? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> but no. What I, what I did was, in, um, is um, I, I did that my clown character, Naughty the Clown. Okay. Right. Which is my research and development. Oh yes. Area. Right. And uh, I performed as Naughty the Clown, speaking only in Hungarian. Okay. So therefore, the fact that I don't speak fluent Hungarian. Okay. Was covered by the fact that um, clowns don't necessarily speak. Okay. Excellent. I, I can say in Dutch, ik heb mijn onderbroek benist about an
4: arm. I could almost guess what that means, and, but not quite. It, yeah, and it.
2: in Hungarian, mm. it's. Fettem fel a and it means, um, and it's, it's the, the phrase I try to learn mm. in another language, and I swear mm. by it because it'll, it'll get you anywhere you want. Right. It's the only phrase you need to know when you go to a foreign country. Which, and it means, I'm wearing my underpants inside out.
4: Right. Yeah. And that, is it that after that, they either won't speak to you ever again, or <laughs> you don't need anything
6: else, or they'll definitely think he's English, it's fine, we'll speak or, English from now Or on. you get
2: arrested and taken to the
0: police station. Or something station like that, where... and then
6: they arrange
4: for <laughs> an interpreter on... They contact the embassy.
2: and
6: the
0: state
4: and... budget. That's fine, that's <laughs> a, flawless plan, a flawless plan.
0: I've got a lot of aggro from Christians about eyebrow playing with Shazza and Bridget Jones, which obviously wasn't um, a script that I wrote, so I was less responsible for it than I was for the filthiness about the (laughs) play. But I, yeah, so I I went up for Bridget, so I auditioned for Bridget, didn't get that, auditioned for Jude, the non-swearing friend, and auditioned for Shazza, and at the end the producer said to me, we were so surprised how Shazza came across as so full of love, so for me Mm. that was a win, Mm. because for me their word isn't really a... that's just. Re- I mean, it's really super not an issue. No. Mm. It's so not an issue. I mean, I understand that it is an issue for other people, and I'm sorry it offends them. But then they didn't have to go yeah. to the cinema.
4: Very true. You know, I've I've had people. Uh, I used to run a comedy club in Guildford. We have a comedian who is uh, quite sweary, but find a kind of fun and positive and life affirming yeah. with it. Comedians who aren't who yeah. aren't sweary, but are actually incredibly negative. Well, and that's what I mean about the
0: big picture. I mean, voice. do you know Jane Busman? I know the name. I've got a friend Jane, Jane. Jane Busman. Yeah. I just love her. Like the filthier. And more aggressive her language is, the more affectionate somehow the feeling is. Mm. Mm. It somehow, <laughs> mm. I don't know, it somehow gets warmer. Mm. She wrote a book called uh, Worst Date Ever about. Um, she was. She genu- she, uh, she's a film, movie a screenwriter and um, movie director. Uh, and she was paying for herself in LA by writing celebrity profiles for Grazia magazine <laughs> and she genuinely had suicidal thoughts whilst <laughs> no, interviewing no, no, Ashton yeah. Kutcher <laughs> <laughs> and then went, my life is pointless I am one of the people who is you know I'm a parasite on the backside of humanity I must do something worthwhile I'm going to become a foreign correspondent and whistleblow about terrible injustices and in the process met one of the guys who whistle blew for Darfur, decided she was in love with him, and followed him out to Uganda and uh, she's ended up writing this book that's full of filth, but is actually the most accurate portrayal of the uh, political situation in Uganda. <laughs> mm. you know again, mm. big
6: yeah.
0: tiny detail mm. rude. Yeah. Big picture, enormous light shone on a very difficult political situation.
2: I remember doing one um, on tea and you yeah. all the crews off the big
4: luxury That's yachts. That's right, yeah. When I did it, one gig I know was, was like the people who were on the yachts mm. were just really difficult gigs to. Yeah, I was trying to do observational stuff. Mm you realise we were a completely different world you know I was was trying to do some gags about engagement rings at the time and instead this woman down the front said yes we've just been sailing from India for the last nine months where we're going to go and get the jewel for my i go, right okay this is a different I'm talking about Argos and you're going to buy the Cody Noor yeah exactly I'm talking about you know going to Ratner's. Really, Ratners that's yeah. the one and you know she's talking about business now. she's not been on, on, on land for some time it's no. rather surreal but well,
2: yeah different world I mean you have to have an observational material about mm. piloting your own private jet into Nice Airport. exactly yeah what's that like hey mm. yeah. yeah and most of them like the, 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 uh, the skipper would be a former mm. Royal Naval mm. officer mm. who trained at Dartmouth Right. Because that's what they wanted, that's what the millionaires I see. want. I see, interesting. And yeah. we had, uh, someone in the audience had, had been a member of crew on um, mm. the guy who owned the Daily Mirror and ripped all the pensioners off, Robert... Oh,
4: Robert Maxwell. Robert Maxwell. Yeah, yeah.
2: Because he, you know, he went off his yacht yes. and, and was found, You know, I don't think he was ever found. And
4: it was, was it the
2: person who gave him a push? Night? Well, they didn't say they were, <laughs> right. but they, they did work on his yacht. Oh, right. They were a member of crew on his luxury yacht and they wow. were on the yacht when he walked wow. off it and disappeared. Really? Really? But they said that he, he was a very unpleasant person yes. um, and that he didn't use toilet paper. Oh, he no. insisted on having thick, brand new, thick white towels in his bathroom.
4: Oh, no need. And leave it on the floor. And their job was to go and collect them afterwards. Oh, that's not nice. Yeah. Maybe that's how he went. He was just having a wash in the sea. <laughs> and he just needed to get the season shifted. Maybe, yeah. maybe some Andrex might have done the trick. Or he was yet. having a swim, but he didn't want to come back out and <laughs> need a to towel. I <laughs> oh, should, should have brought more. The
2: Heptigan Club.
0: Seven guests, seven corners. The Heptogen Club with Paul Carenza.
4: Um, but working things like Miranda, which of course we both co starred in, you as Tilly, me as customer six. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, in episode three of season three. Classic.
0: And actually, my life living with. My uh, son, who has Down syndrome, it's like living in Miranda sitcom. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it really is. Mm. It's You say a comedy's tragedy played at 120 miles per hour. Right. Mm. Some people look at us and think, oh, it's so sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not having a sad time mm. most of the time. I and mean, then Miranda gets her necklace... Oh, the, yes. The, she gets her necklace caught in the sushi sushi <laughs> carousel you go on holiday and Ollie disappears on the baggage carousel mm, oh, where's really? my child <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> yeah, yeah. you know it's it's, it's yeah. funny yes. It's funny mm. yeah the picture that people have is very outdated and mm. um based on you know the wikipedia entry which is just a list of mm. potential comorbidities and actually living with someone with Down syndrome is <clears throat> you know fantastic I mean it's more the highs are higher and the lows are lower but it's you know it's like living in a sitcom a lot of the time Mm. and so I asked uh, one of the Facebook Facebook groups to send me uh, videos of their of their kids and I said you know what would you send me in response to the question how do we measure quality of life is it health wealth freedoms or capacity for delight and obviously that was a bit of a leading Mm. I was hoping they were going to send me tons of videos of their Mm. kids being delighted and I did get videos of their kids being delighted, but mainly I got videos of their kids looking like anyone else's kids. And the home videos were so like anyone's home videos that you couldn't really use them. The only difference was that the parents were killing themselves laughing. The parents were just having so, so much more fun. We had these uh, you know, these new neighbours move in at the end of the garden and... Um, They had uh, twins, a boy and a girl, between Ollie and Luke's age, and Ollie decided he wanted to play with them. Now, the Down syndrome profile is that people with Down syndrome can't climb. Have terrible sense of gravity. And Ollie didn't get that memo because we've got like an eight-foot fence, <laughs> okay. and Ollie got over it and got yeah. over it and got over it. And we yeah. we couldn't work out how I was doing it. We painted the paint the fence with anti-slip paint. Mm. We boarded up the back of the Wendy house. We couldn't climb up there. Still, you know, I'd wake up in the morning at six a.m. Mm. Ollie wouldn't be in his bed. He'd be in just his pants in their back garden, yeah. and I would, I was so ashamed. Like I'm so sorry. I didn't want to get to know them at all, at all. <laughs> and uh, you know, a, a year of this of you know driving around dragging Ollie by his hair out the front door. Get out, Ollie. And eventually, you know, these are really, really nice people and they repeatedly didn't mind. And um, now we get fences. We put ladders up uh, against the fence and the kids come and go freely between our gardens. We only buy one paddling pool. (laughs) And so Ollie's refusal to behave in a socially acceptable way has actually, you know, very literally broken down fences between us and them.
4: So Sally's son really was the starting point of her documentary, A World Without Down Syndrome, still available on the BBC iPlayer. Now, a show starting quite soon here in the UK is QI, returning for its 14th series. They have done series A to series M, and now taking over series N is Sandy Togsvig. We're delighted to welcome to the Heptagon Club one of the QI elves, Stephen Colgan.
3: QI doesn't have scripts. It's a, mm. it's a completely unscripted show. The, the thing's written in real time by the comedians. But what we as the writers have to do is provide a framework. So basically, it's everything that Stephen, and now Sandy, Yes says it's basically the questions they ask and the answers they give to those questions they're the bits we have to write and that's the framework of the show and um we try and get about far about 15 about 10 questions and about five general ignorance questions at the end mm. um but the thing is you know because it is recorded in real time and because it's completely unscripted
7: mm.
3: the panel may riff for for 10 15 minutes on one question in which case you know in in the in the control room next door, the director and the producer have to sit there and say, right, lose question five, lose question oh, six. Yeah. So even though you've agonised over these questions
4: for months, you may end up finding that you... Um, Do you have any... Is there any that... Um, there must be stuff that comes up then that you've put in the script and think, oh, that's a golden fact, and then it's never and It made doesn't it make air. it, yeah.
3: Absolutely. Now, I mean, because each show's recorded for two hours mm. and only half an hour or 45 minutes on the Excel edition goes out, an awful lot, yeah, as you say, ends up mm. on the cutting room floor. But the fact that we've run it once before... Doesn't mean we can't run it again that's true. in true. So future. Series, yeah, as long back. as we can find a letter. Yeah, hook, that's true. Because yes. obviously, each each show yeah. is each series is themed around a letter yeah. of the alphabet. We're just writing the end series.
4: Mm. Um, yeah, halfway point. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well,
3: well, Stephen opted out after sort of thirteen years after, yeah, after having got halfway through the alphabet. Bad, now it, we'll yeah, see yeah. how we go for the rest of the yeah. alphabet. But uh, it's quite an important year because I think we've got to try and prove that QI is bigger than just Stephen. I mean, Stephen. Mm it's extraordinary he made the show him him and Alan made the show what it is obviously but um I think the concept is bigger I mean the fact mm. that QI does a podcast every week which yep. has four of the elves who, who aren't celebrities I mean they're wonderful people and incredibly clever but they're not celebrities the day. you know it's not Ross Noble or Jimmy Carr or whatever and they sit around a table and talk about the best facts they found that week and that podcast has been massive mm. you know it's been number one on iTunes they've filled West End theatres to, to come and see it live I think that shows that the concept of QI is, is bigger than just Stephen Fry presenting a show. So, yeah. although Stephen's done wonderful stuff and we'll miss him dreadfully, mm. you know, Sandy Toxig is, is is a fantastic replacement. She yeah, she's so great.
4: smart. And you've you've weathered the storm with the uh, you got the QI up and running. People know it. it was on BBC Two, BBC One for a bit. Is that right? We tried it on BBC,
3: they, they tried putting it on BBC One for a while, which we didn't feel was the natural home mm. for BBC uh, for, for QI. And the other problem was they put it on in a much earlier slot than BBC Two does, which meant that, you know, the editing was very severe Mm.
4: because even after The Watershed, there's still certain things you can't say on the BBC.
3: Clearly somewhere
4: in BBC Towers or something, there's a big list of... You can't say the F word. Haven't you seen the list? I'm I'm looking for the room of the list. The
0: The list's hilarious. What
4: flaws it on? It's there somewhere. Yeah, no, you can access
0: the list quite easily. The funniest one is Channel 4 list. Oh, really? Yeah, Channel 4 list's really, really funny. (sighs) Yeah, because uh, there's words on there you didn't know (laughs) 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 existed. On no account, we say this word, and you go, that word? What does that
4: mean? Yeah. Yeah, sister. (laughs) (laughs) wow. Yeah, the BBC haven't even heard of these. Ones.
0: We the BBC haven't even heard yeah. of this, yeah. But Channel 4, what's funny for me is I'll write something. Well, and you as well, I expect. You write something, and if you are not one of the people whose work is so brilliant, it instantly gets snapped up. But you end up mm. doing the carousel, going mm. around the channels, which I often do. The changing your script from a BBC script to a Channel 4 script oh, yeah. is the process of inserting 17 Fs. Right. <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> That's much. what makes the
4: difference, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's a strange one, isn't it? But I, when I f- My first everything I wrote as a, as a teenager, I sent off um, some scripts to... I was about 13. I wrote some sketches, sent them to Radio 4 and um, had them uh, turned down by um, the work experience guy who is now, I believe, head of BBC Comedy and saying, we can't possibly take this because we can't ever mention this whole list of 20 words that you've used on Radio 4, but thank you for it. Apart from that list, I've never seen an actual list and I'd love to see the list. I presume different QILs, do they have different areas of... A favourite areas? Do you have favourite areas that you sort of? There are, yeah. Are drawn I, mean,
3: I mean, there are people who are friend? drawn towards certain things. Uh, my area, really. I mean, I I like a lot of the sort of quirky stuff. I, I like um, I like stuff like you know, mad eccentrics mm. or it seems to be or pe- pe- People's or yeah, people. whatever
4: I speak to, it, it's yeah. always been this
3: person. It's always people did this thing. It's always people. It always yeah. has been people. Yeah, I, I love the eccentric. I mean we, we've got Justin Pollard who is by um, profession a historian and archaeologist so mm-hmm. he tends to be very history oriented.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: We um, Molly Oldfield who's not with us for this series but Molly who's been with us since the beginning, she's very natural history and animals mm. oriented. Um, who else we got? Andrew Murray, Andrew Hunter Murray, he comes from a sort of uh, book background, so he's very literary oriented. He's also he's also one of the writers of Private Eye. You know, it, it's right. you know it, it's so he he gets a lot mm. of the political and satirical stuff in there.
0: I actually go to Private Eye quite often to find out what's happening in the news. Yeah, because mm. you know that the newspapers just writing for their perceived audience and mm. and. They haven't got the time or the will or the finances to do proper investigations. I mean, there's only been a few incidents where I feel like I've known more than the papers about what's going on. So Down syndrome screening documentary about that. So I now know more than the the journalists about that subject. And it's incredible the way it's reported. I'm mm. um, just the shallowness of the reporting, mm. and so at least you're you're looking for people who are digging behind the surface, who are going beyond spin, mm. and that is comedians and, and you know things like Private Eye.
4: So if, if one of your stock is you know the great the great forgotten of history, who is there? Are there any current interests or current donations you can think of? Mad Jack Churchill, in the Second World War, used to. My favourite story about
3: Mad Churchill was actually after his war. I mean, his wartime experience is pretty extraordinary, like going into battle with a bow and arrow and being the only person to have killed a German officer using a bow and arrow (laughs) during the war. But after the war, my favourite story about him is he used to work at the war office in central London. He used to travel home. I think he lived in Purley. And he used to travel home every day. And every day on the train, at one particular point, he'd open the window on the train and throw his briefcase out of the window. and, And eventually another commuter, a fellow commuter, Worked up the guts to, walk to go up to him and say, "Why do you do that?" And he goes, "Well, that's my garden. Saves so me carrying it from the station." And he used to do this every <laughs> single day. Wow. Um, you can't do that anymore on trains. Can no, you, you now can't. They, know. The they don't have
4: the windows now. Mad Jack Churchill. No relation. Uh, well, maybe I presume he has some. Um, One of the uh, forgotten legends of the Second World War. I'd love to put on some music from that era, some Glenn Miller, perhaps.
3: Browsing the entertainment shelves.
4: Fortunately, I can't find any, which is convenient for copyright reasons. But let's hear from someone who was actually at Glenn Miller's final ever performance. She was in the WAAF, the WAF. This is Madeline Evans. Yes. Uh, So tell us then, so you were in the... uh... WAF. The WAF, as they call it, Women's Auxiliary yes. Air
5: Force. Well, I, I wanted to um, join when I was 17 and a half. Mm. You had to have your father's permission, and he wouldn't give it. But I got called up when I was 19, so then we went to, um, I think it was Lincoln, for training, okay. and I got sent to Sounds Priory.
4: What was your job then? What was your...? Te-
5: Teleprinter operator. Oh,
4: OK, right.
5: Well, what they called then. I yes. don't know what they call them now.
4: And so were you sending messages? Yes. Was... OK. But
5: we yes. never knew what we were sending. I see. Because they were mostly in five-letter codes. Mm. And mm. you didn't know who you were sending them to. But you had to be absolutely accurate. And if a message came that was, oh, OU. That took priority. You had said, "Yet
4: so you never know what part you were playing, really, in the whole machine." But
5: looking back now, I think we obviously um, sent them to Bletchley.
4: That you saw Glenn Miller in one of the last times anyone could.
5: We went to the um, Bedford, sat on the edge of the stage because it was so full. Then he flew off next day
4: and disappeared. So you just the they last... never
5: found him or his place.
4: So this is the last performance? Yes. Of Glenn Miller. And it's immortalised now with the Glenn Miller story, the oh, film. Yes. Um, It's an amazing film. Yeah. <laughs> Madeline Evans, who's actually at Glenn Miller's final performance. Now, Madeline's son in law actually happens to have been someone I've encountered in the past. He's called Nick Wilson. He's one of those hidden people in TV you would not know about, but he has been at the heart of children's television for his entire working career, from play school through Wider Wake Club through to Channel 5's Milkshake. This is Nick Wilson.
1: I've I've got a checkered history. history. A checkered history on the fringes of children's television. I've always done the outlandish bits. I started out on Playschool, where I was allowed to make really exotic sets, but they all had to be made out of cardboard boxes. I did an interview for 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 what the BBC loosely called a training attachment, and uh, the wonderful Cynthia Felgate, who was the executive producer of Playschool at that time, said to me what sort of programmes would you like to make? And I said, ones with things that make noises. And she said, what sort of noises? And I said, well, a tap. (laughs) <laughs> she said, "Well, be a tap then." So I had to be a tap. You had to be a tap. I had to be a tap. So I must have been a really good tap because right. I got the job. See, he was a tap that creaked and spluttered and <laughs>
4: really like that. Yeah, yeah. So you were a tap. So yeah. I was a
1: tap. Um, I had a colleague who got a job for an even better reason. He mm. got a job because he went into the interview took his jacket off and hung it up on a door which didn't have a hook. Right. He then proceeded <laughs> to exit through a cupboard. Oh no! So, um, but playing. he got the job too. So that's why placebo was like it was. it was.
4: And we we can thank you since then, for the Wide Awake Club. Yeah. And Whackaday. And Whackaday.
1: And Dappledown Farm.
4: Dappledown, really? Yes. Yeah, Dappledown. And sort of... Milkshake on 5, or Tribal Channel 5, I
1: don't quite know which. which channel C5. C5. Channel five. I, I, I got the gig on Milkshake mm. on Channel 5 when it launched by um, having a weak bladder. because so I went and did this speech at BAFTA to a dinner and it went down quite well. And I was bursting for a leak, so I went to the mm. very illustrious BAFTA lose and I'm standing there... In the gents, and with mm. two spare urinals on either side, and two men in overcoats came either side of me. Would like to come and see us tomorrow. Oh. Oh. But anyway, there were two of the guys who were putting together the bid for Channel Five, the Thames brand, wow. and I went to see them the next day, and they said, uh, apparently, we need somebody to run kids. I really so, you look like the man. But anyway, we had a chat and, and yeah. yes, so I got the gig and I was, wow. it was my first real experience of being the only person doing children's programming, whereas my next door neighbour mm. was doing late night news and porn. Right. Okay. And my other neighbour was doing what was loosely described as entertainment. Mm.
4: I do remember there was that sort of moment where Channel 5 said we're going to do more children's programmes and more adult programmes. So to speak, it I mean.
1: was it was an interesting time mm. when I, I used to get asked quite often during my first few years there as what was it like mm. trying to make children's programmes acceptable on a channel that did the three Fs the rest of the time. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, no, I'm not going to say what the no, three no, Fs are. No. You know, yeah, yeah, we can work yeah, that out. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was, but we, yeah. but, but it we worked. We, yeah. we, 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 nobody expected it to be mm. hugely successful. They thought it was a low-budget contribution to the public service remit. And I was given freedom, mm. and I'd never had this sort of freedom before. No mm. money, but freedom. Mm.
4: Well, in fact, I remember my, my first ever, um, my TV work experience was via you, in fact, at the Children's Channel back in 1990. <laughs> um, something like that. And, um, and it, so thank you for that. that it's was a pleasure. Fantastic. That was a week of doing that. You are in good company. It was good.
1: You, you would be surprised at how many people have started off Patrick Maber, would you believe, oh, really? did the Wide Awake Club with sketches. Ooh. Carol Vorderman. Vorderman, I didn't know that. Nick no. Hancock. Right. All on the Wide Awake yes, Club, when, yeah. in their youth before anybody knew who they were. Didn't um, was I thinking um, Mike Myers did? Mike Myers, did he, well. was with, he was with Nick Hancock, I believe.
4: Speaking of children's television, one of our guests at the Heptagon Club has had a significant role in children's television over the last 15 years, but he was in disguise. Back to Dave Thompson. Is it fair to say that that you, you were? Are, I'm sure you always. It's probably like President of America. Once you have mm. been a teletubby, you are always a Teletubbie and
2: It, it varies a lot, a, a lot. I mean, if I'm asking a comedy promoter for a gig, mm. it makes no difference whatsoever. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Possibly even counts against. Yeah. Fair it. enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, if yeah. I'm meeting an ordinary person mm. in an obscure part of the world, or in a school part of Britain, then sometimes that they go mad and crazy. It must have
4: a bit of currency, that word, it must um, yeah, I mean, to say you're, a, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, sometimes people introduce me like, and, and it's just like, oh wow, wow, you yes, know. Yeah. It's all, you know, selfies and phones and everything. Absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah. But it's sort of quite weird because it feels slightly fraudulent in a way, partly because it was a costume not on my face. I only did it actually for under a year,
4: right?
2: Um, but I, I was in every episode they made because we did so much generic footage. Oh yeah, yeah. I was in every episode they made, and my wow. name was in the credits. Yes. So I was on the payroll. Right. Um and um yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I mean they've made another sixty episodes, which is now mm. I think, being broadcast. Yeah, I've
4: just heard they've been I even, it. You know, yeah. watched it. Or anything, yeah. But.
2: Um, Unfortunately, none of the original footage is in there. Oh, I see. So So you can't grab all of that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a nice urban for a while.
4: Well, the Heptagon Club is alive and thriving here now. Future guests on the podcast include Tim Vine and Miranda Hart. Do subscribe to make sure you get this podcast delivered to your inbox. Now, it is a party of sorts, so we do like to have a a bring-a-bottle moment where you can perhaps bring something back to the podcast. It is only polite, obviously so last week our bring a bottle moment was simply to subscribe and rate us on itunes if you have subscribed if you can rate us that would be much appreciated this week's bring a bottle moment is quite simple find us on facebook like join our group that's all you need to do that would be your bring a bottle moment for this week we ask nothing more from you than that but it'd be great if you could become part of the heptagon club join us on facebook find us and like us there and if you want to get in touch with the podcast at all, Paul at paulcarenza.com, K-E-R-E-N-S-A. That will reach me here. Or you can find us on Facebook, The Heptagon Club. We have our seven sides and our seven guests. So Reverend Richard Coles is over here in Joke Corner. Former Communard, member of the clergy, star of radio. So I wonder if he would bring an anecdote or two from his time as a man of the cloth.
7: But he was a hospital chap, and he was called in one day because the family wished to view the body of someone who died obviously and uh, he was late he was held up and he got there late he rushed in and there was a sort of viewing room with the, you know, where were, the body was in a coffin like a chocolate restaurant thing and uh, anyway he arranged things the best he could and he rushed to light candles on either side of the coffin and then kind of smashing words. So anyway. He- Anyway, he went outside and there was the family waiting there and he went in oh, and then took me to the room But unfortunately a matchhead set fire to the night. The <laughs> <And> there, <was laughs> there, there was their grandpa or grandma surrounded by licking flames. Oh nice.
4: Yeah. Nice. And they had to evacuate the hospital. It's always in the more funereal areas that <laughs> suddenly humour finds itself, isn't it? That was, that was there quite that was quite bad. Are. A Fair lovely
7: enough. wedding one one. It's the same guy who's, who's
4: attended by But he
7: was marrying a couple, and he did the rehearsal, and he said, "Okay, kneel, I'll bless you, and we'll go to the vestry and sign the register, and we'll be done. So anyway, the day came, and they knelt and and blessed them. He went off to the vestry, and he realised something was wrong. And he looked behind him, and there was the bride and groom following him, but they were still up there.
4: Oh, oh no, that's not good, is it? (laughs) That's not good at all.
3: On that image of a bride and groom kneeling and shuffling into married life, some last words on God and comedy from Milton, Jones and Sally Phillips. I,
0: I honestly I think comedians are a lot closer to God than most... You know, after the first few years where you're just desperate for a laugh, as uh, searching for truth. And society has many margins which provide great vantage points from which to view it. And comedians are genuinely looking for the truth of who people are, what they want, how they behave and why. Mm-hmm. Comics could function like Old Testament prophets. I when mean, I sometimes see... Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> you with you your pulse. Yeah. <laughs> finish what you're saying. Finish what you're
6: saying.
0: I sometimes get that feeling where, when I'm watching people doing a two-hour show.
6: Yeah.
0: That there's a the philosophy of life that's being presented there. Yes. Well, people like Dylan and Stuart and... And I haven't seen you do Two Hours for Ages. No. It? it can't all be puns. No, <laughs> <Yes, well, well, laughs> yes, but you I, mean, you, I mean, you know, I haven't seen mm. your two, mm. two Hours for Ages, but you mm. used to do that too. I mean, a lot, lot more puns than that, but definitely. A <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> but comedy,
6: is, essentially, if it hits, there's a lot about the truth, isn't it? Um, there's a great quote, which I haven't been able to source, but um, it's something like, before the life of Brian, people looked to bishops for the truth, and after that they looked to comedians. Mm. and there's, I mean, it goes with celebrity culture as well and, mm. and sort of what drives things, but, you know, with comic relief and, and all, that people look to comedians as not so much role models, but uh, they're the people who are allowed to preach now. But just going back to um, Old Testament prophet-y yeah. stuff. Okay.
0: Yeah, I can see you disagree with me there. I I I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> no, yeah, all right. Skirmish. Yes.
6: Um, it's. I agree that the theory of that is great but don't you think the people who do preach in comedy or put a they're always complete uh, completely preaching to the converted you know someone like Mark Thomas or uh, I don't know Jeremy Hardy often they have to have an audience that sort of are on their side to begin with I don't think Old Testament prophets got big laughs we're employed to, to bring joy and make people laugh do you see what I mean
0: uh, n- uh, no, I don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sort of, I know what you mean. I, I, I suppose two things. One thing would be that you don't have to be going in with a message; just facts reveal uh, reveal the world to itself. So, I think of Dylan Moran saying, um, "I'd hate to be a woman. I'd never know which of my supposed best friends I despised from one moment to the next." Mm. Okay, so for me, that's yeah. Uh, yes, a, it's funny. Mm. Mm. Be it's true, <laughs> mm. yeah, uh, and it's showing me the well. He's not, he's not got a message, he's not got a, a misogynist message yes. there. Yeah, it's yeah. just a, a reflection, reflecting back mm. behavior,
4: yeah. I guess to a degree, you, you this idea of speaking truth to power is something that a lot of mm. comedians mm. like to think they do, and in practice, you sort of sit down with a pen and paper and think, Oh, it's a bit harder than that, isn't it? Really, yeah, or we'll start with the jokes, Let's, and then, yeah, then yeah. try and work then, exactly, yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you to all of our guests this week. We will be back again in two or three weeks' time with some more guests. I think Miranda Hart might be joining us next time, so do stay tuned for that. A gigantic thank you to Sally Phillips, to Milton Jones, to QI Elf Stephen Colgan, Reverend Richard Coles, Madeleine Evans, Nick Wilson and Dave Thompson. Most of our guests actually have books available, which you could go and buy and support them. I have a couple out myself, so A Comedian Walks Into a Church, Genesis by Bluffer's Guide, things like that. I would definitely seek those out. Reverend Richard Coles has a new memoir out. Milton Jones has a fantastic novel, Where Do Comedians Go to Die? Stephen Colgan's book is Why Did the Policeman Cross the Road? And
2: Dave Thompson. It's called The Sex Life of a Comedian, and as Harry Hill said, the clue is in the title.
4: Yeah, OK. And there's comedy in it as well. As well it
2: so. doesn't try to be funny, but people right. say that it is funny.
4: Thanks for joining us this week. Do make sure you subscribe. Rate us on iTunes if you can. Nice five-star review. would be lovely. Do seek out Sally's documentary, A World Without Down Syndrome. Hey. Tune in the new QI find us on Facebook and remember you can email us paul at paulcarenza.com the music you have heard Blue Jeans by Rob
5: Halligan
4: we're at heptagonclub.co.uk
5: and we
4: will be back here again in two or three weeks with seven more fantastic
5: guests